When I was preparing for today's homily, which I usually do the annual meeting address in the place of the homily on annual meeting day, I did what I usually do, which is to consider the scriptures and the collect for the day. And after I read them, I said out loud to God, are you kidding me? These are perfect for what I wanted to say for our annual meeting. How'd you do that? Well, as you all well know, the Holy Spirit didn't organize the the coming together of everything for today. I mean, that would be absurd to imagine that God acted like that, as if God could see out, you know, all the way into the future of 2019, and okay, Whitney's going to be at St. Stephen's. It'll be um, an annual meeting Sunday. I want it to land on the cycle, the third cycle for that particular day. You know, that's absurd, right? So how is it that this seems to be so perfectly suited for our time together in this worship service and our life together as St. Stephen's Church? I think it's because that when we consider what God is up to in the world and through discernment and prayer attempt to put ourselves into the river of life, which is God, stuff comes together in ways that we are both humbled and exhilarated about. And that's how I feel this morning in bringing this annual address in relationship with the collect and the scriptures that were appointed for today. I feel both humbled and exhilarated by what we have to celebrate. Let's start with the collect. Give us grace, O Lord, to answer readily the call of our Savior, Jesus Christ, and proclaim to all people the good news of his salvation, that we and the whole world may perceive the glory of his marvelous works, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and even longer than forever. This collect is our prayer. It is our desire to answer readily the call of our Savior, Jesus Christ. When I came here to serve as your rector six and a half years ago, I remember being profoundly struck at the commitment that you had as a congregation to respond to the needs that you saw around you. For one thing, St. Stephen's has a parishioners fund, which is exclusively for the use of people who are in want or need. And I have never seen anything like that. And to me, it demonstrates what we read about in Acts 2 when everyone pulls their resources together and everyone is given as they have need. It's an endowment that we were given years ago, and the ways that that carries out the gospel is remarkable to me. Additionally, how it is that you pay attention to the needs of the world and respond to them through outreach activities, some of them long established, but then additionally, as you witness things happening and feel so moved to respond to them. These are illustrations of being willing, ready to answer the call of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And having lived and served with you over these six years, I can say that I still see that dedication. In fact, the desire is reflected in our new mission statement, which we lived with for the first year last year, 2018. Embracing and living into God's commandment to love our neighbor through worship, stewardship, and service to others. When you look at our annual report for 2018, you will see that outreach and faith formation are the two largest components of that report. There are a few things that stick out to me that I want to highlight in speaking this morning, but first I want to just share that it was somewhat difficult to categorize some of our new initiatives that happened last year. The question was, should it go in outreach because it responds to the needs of the vulnerable? 
Or should it go in faith formation since that's where it started, was through prayer and through community um, consideration of the scriptures, and then moved into the needs of the vulnerable? Faith formation leads to outreach. And as we go out to serve Christ in the world, we realize we can't do it without Christ, and so we return again to faith formation. Contemplation and action go together. I want to highlight just a few particularities um, or particular things of this last year. The Beagle Breakfast. This is something we've done for a couple of years already, but this past year, Bill Murrell um, worked with a different organization for Beagle Rescue. This issue is near and dear to his heart because of his belief in the sacredness of creation. He's not one to talk about it much, but you see it demonstrated in his life. And so he um, made connections with the organization called Befriegel. And we had a pancake breakfast on one Sunday morning in May. And more than half of those that attended that breakfast were not parishioners of St. Stephen's. We raised over $2,000 for this organization when their record is that they hardly raise over 1000 in their efforts. And three dogs were adopted out of that breakfast, and usually they have one. They were over-the-top grateful for what we did, and we were blessed by what they did. Another particular effort of 2018 was our work with our children and the Bedford Correctional Facility for Women in Bedford, New York. This relationship has been going on for quite some time. Eleanor Arnold has led it for seven years, and maybe you remember it because we host children whose mothers are incarcerated for one week in the summer and give them a camp experience when they return to their hosts in the evening. But there was a a new dimension this past year. At the end of October, Sister Tessa of our children came here for worship, and it just so happened that Patera Sabune was the priest filling in for my sabbatical time, and he knows Sister Tessa because of his work in the prison system. And through the efforts of coffee hour on that day, we had parishioners here who were introduced to it for the first time and said, I want to be a part of that. Furthermore, when one of our parishioners found herself alone for Thanksgiving, she decided to buck all tradition and do something completely different. And so she made an appointment to meet with someone at Bedford Correctional Facility to be with an inmate on Thanksgiving Day, which started a relationship that continues on. The third initiative that I want to share with you that comes to my mind about last year is Global Philanthropy Leaders. This was um, a youth initiative that actually began the fall of 2017, but we really started to see the fruits of it in the spring of 2018. And some of you might remember our young people gave a presentation in coffee hour. I think it was in April of last year. This was an initiative for high schoolers, mostly 10th and 11th graders, to learn about finance and micro-lending. And it was an idea born out of a few of us that are a part of this body of Christ, Rich Stein, Jane Lindenberg, our youth ministry coordinator, and myself. We began to make a thing, and we called it Global Philanthropy Leaders, and our young people participated in it, realizing that with $25 loans, they could affect the lives of people that are in desperate situations around the world. Not only did they change the lives of other people, but they were changed as well. Our vestry gave them $3,000 to put into the pool that gets lent out and returned to us, 
And we heard about the power of this initiative when they gave their presentation last April. I had to cut it off at 1 o'clock because we had been there for already an hour and 20 minutes, and I encouraged people who still wanted to ask questions to stick around. But even at 1 o'clock, we still had 30 people in North Hall listening to what these young people had to say. And how remarkable it was to hear our young people who have so much available to them to speak about faith. I remember one of the young men said to all of those gathered there, he said, you know, I mean, this has really helped my faith. And I almost levitated in North Hall. I thought, this is an 11th grade young man, and he just said the word faith out loud to people. Isn't that remarkable? That doesn't happen every day. And then one of our young women took up the invitation to answer a Facebook post that had been on our website, our Facebook, earlier that week, where when we announced this um, presentation, someone who's not affiliated with our community responded back and said, you should start with people in your own backyard. And so the young people were invited. Do you want to respond to this comment here in the context of your church family? And one young woman said, yeah, I will. She said, I believe that the whole world is God's backyard and that we're called to service. I can tell you that what happened in that coffee hour has motivated all kinds of things to happen. One of the people present gave $1,000 toward a new initiative, inviting more global philanthropy leaders to participate in this endeavor. Another person present talked to one of his friends in Chicago who's a churchman, and they want to do something like this. These are remarkable endeavors of this past year and so worthy of our celebration because of what God is doing with us. Contemplation leads to action, and as we act, we, we realize we can't do it from our own strength, which draws us right back into a posture of prayer and to consider how God is leading us. When we open our hearts to hear the gospel again, we open ourselves to what God pays attention to, and that calls us into action. We can't sustain the action without the strength of the Holy Spirit. We're moved by the Holy Spirit to answer readily the call of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And we are sustained by the Holy Spirit to do that faithfully. God carefully removing our ego as we grow in our capacity to serve. Our ability to answer readily the call of our Savior requires our shared efforts. What the world needs from God's people, none of us can do alone. So Paul's imagery of the body of Christ is such an effective image for us as the church. Some of you might remember that I've been, we've been working with this image over the years that I've been here. In the first year that I arrived, we studied Romans 12 in the vestry, which also talks about the body of Christ. It's Paul's image for us, and it's, you can hear it, read it in Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12. He uses this physical imagery to help us remember our connection with one another and our reliance with one another. When I came here as your rector, there were a lot of things that the vestry had identified as needing to be done to bring St. Stephen's into a sustainable and lively future. One of the things that was um, requested was to address the fact that we were living beyond our means and that even after a lot of effort of making cuts and scaling back, that was still the reality. We all knew the solution wasn't obvious or simple. And one thing that I could tell is that it was beyond my area of training. You see, I'm a foot, not a hand. Or maybe I'm a hand and not a foot. 
I'm not sure which I am, but what I do know is that I'm not both. And so in my first two years, the vestry worked very hard on how we could find a way forward. I came to learn through our deliberations that what we needed was what in business is referred to as a chief operating officer, someone who could look at our institutional costs and their relationship with one another. We knew that whatever changes we would need to make to live within our means were going to be significant. And I wanted to make sure that the changes were well thought through, knowing that they would affect people's lives and challenge our very understanding of ourselves as St. Stephen's Church. So in 2013, a task force worked on leading the vestry and the congregation in this effort. It was comprised of people whose names you probably recognize. Mike Ryan was the senior warden at the time, Ken Vivian, Elizabeth Lyons-Clavana, and Eliza Shanley. They together gave many hours in doing research and talking with people. As some illustrations, we traveled in a deluge of rain to New Haven one Thursday evening to meet with someone there at Yale about what we were trying to do and to solicit his advice and input. He connected us with other people who helped us put together a panel of folks that we held right here in the sanctuary on a hot day in June. The panel took place right here and it was comprised of many people including um, Bishop Ian Douglas and Louis Fuertes who was our canon for mission and still is our canon for mission and finance. At the conclusion of that panel, Bishop Ian took me aside and essentially said, Whitney, what you and the leadership are trying to do is the right thing but it is going to be hard. The resistance is going to be more than what you probably expect or imagine. Prayer and perseverance are the only things that are going to bring about the essential change. I wasn't sure what Bishop Ian was talking about, but I decided to take him at his word. Indeed, after 18 months of hard work and many, many hours, the effort to hire a COO did indeed fail. I kept praying and persevering in faith that God cared about St. Stephen's and would provide for what God knows we need. Fast forward to January 2018, when Jack Herr was elected to be our senior warden. He's a retired businessman with an MBA, and he had a willingness to figure out how to make real the resolution that the previous vestry had handed forward, which in summary was a commitment to have a balanced budget with a stable withdrawal from our endowment within three years. Although it was stated differently than what the vestry had worked on in 2013-2014, the goal was the same. We need to figure out a way to live within our means. Jack told me that he had an idea. He thought maybe we could create a committee of the whole of the vestry and then representation from each committee, the finance, investment, personnel, stewardship, and property, representation from each of those committees. We would meet weekly to consider how to reach the goal of the resolution. There would be a no, no authority in this committee. It, would just, it was called the Financial Stewardship Task Force. Its responsibility would be to advise the vestry with recommended actions. We began meeting every Monday, starting I think mid-February, but definitely by the beginning of March, and continued with weekly meetings through the end of June. This committee knew that the work was going to be painful and hard. We also knew that the less challenging and less painful ways had all been tried. We were cautious and honest and deliberate, and thorough. 
Every idea was placed on the table, and as long as three people thought that it was worth considering, the idea was then explored to its fullest extent. By the time I left on sabbatical, a general understanding of the decisions we needed to make were determined. However, the details had yet to be worked through, and the details were essential to the process. It took the festry the duration of my sabbatical, my sabbatical to complete all of the details. At one time in this process, Jack said to me, Whitney, it's like I'm your COO. Do you know what a COO does? And you can guess that I said to Jack, yes, I have heard about what a COO does. Now this is telling because Jack came after 2014. He came into St. Stephen's, I think it was in 2015 or maybe the fall of 2014. But he was unaware of all that we had done those first two years I was here. Once the details were complete, the vestry took a deep breath and voted in the hard decisions that we had made, nervous about the pain that was to come. It has indeed been difficult, and we are still mourning some of the necessary changes. But we're also beginning to see how God cares for all of us in the transition. And the vestry is beginning to see what's possible for vestry leadership when our energy is free from the agony over the numbers. Mike Ryan, who is now the current chair of the Finance Committee, presented the preliminary budget at our December vestry meeting. After the meeting, he told me of his awareness and appreciation of all the hard work the vestry has done. I think that he used the word amazed. I'm amazed at all that the vestry has done this year. I said, Mike, Jack is the COO I prayed for. God keeps God's promises to care for God's people. I will add, though, that rarely God keeps God's promises in the ways that we expect. For example, in Scripture, when God called the Hebrew people out of slavery in Egypt, Moses told them that they were being called into a promised land. But when the Hebrew people were in the desert, in the wilderness, they grumbled and questioned whether or not God had tricked them. You can read about it. But God keeps God's promises to care for God's people. The scriptures are filled with story after story of God's faithfulness and people's tendency to forget God's faithfulness. One passage from the prophet Jeremiah in his writings is particularly memorable to me. Using the imagery of husband and wife, we hear God say, The days are surely coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. It will not be like the covenant that I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, a covenant that they broke, though I was their husband, says the Lord. But this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my law within them, and I will write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people." No longer shall they teach one another or say to each other, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest, says the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity and remember their sin no more. In today's gospel, when Jesus reads from the scroll of Isaiah, he tells of God keeping God's promises to provide for God's people. The very last line in our scripture appointed for today says, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. 
God does indeed keep God's promises, but rarely does God keep them as we expect. And Jesus teaches us this as well in Matthew's Gospel. I think it's the sixth chapter when he says, Do not worry about what you need, for your Father in heaven knows that you need them, and it's his good pleasure to give them to you. And we as people say, Really? God keeps God's promises to care for God's people. And do we not claim that promise again in our baptismal covenant? Recognizing the grace that we have been given in in our baptism, the promise of forgiveness which is made real here and now, we express our part of that commitment to the relationship. These questions call us into answering readily the call to serve our Savior Jesus Christ. Will you continue in the apostles' teaching and fellowship in the breaking of bread and the prayers? Will you persevere in resisting evil and whenever you fall into sin, repent and return to the Lord? Will you proclaim by word and example the good news of God in Christ? Will you seek and serve Christ in all persons, loving your neighbor as yourself? Will you strive for justice and peace among all people and respect the dignity of every human being? These questions can be summarized with, will you answer readily the call of our Savior, Jesus Christ? And our answer as St. Stephen's Church is, yes, Lord, we will, with your help. We have lots to look forward to in this 2019 year. As part of the efforts of the Episcopal Church in Connecticut, the second Sunday of February, we will begin a two-year process of racial healing, justice, and reconciliation. And this is um, an organic endeavor. Things are to come from the local congregations, and and we are to be blessed by our collective efforts. This year also, there will be a couple different opportunities during Lent for ongoing faith development, one in online and one gathered around a table for discussion and food. This year, we will prepare for a pilgrimage to the Holy Land in 2020. This year, we will reimagine nutmeg so that it can continue as a tradition of our church. This year, Global Philanthropy will be a part of helping 10 new initiatives start around our region because Rich Stein and Carlos de la Torre, our Southwest Region missionary, wrote a grant asking the diocese for $1,000 per group, and we were given a $10,000 grant to help make this happen in our region. This year, we will engage in an action of reading the Bible together as community. I'm certain that these new efforts of outreach, there will be new efforts of outreach that will develop along the way as we seek to join in God's mission in the world, empowered by the Holy Spirit through our study and through our discernment. Every week we will send out an e-blast about one way that we're living into our stated mission as St. Stephen's Church. It's entitled Belonging with Purpose, and perhaps you saw the first one this week where Angela Liptak's homily, which she preached to 29 people here last Sunday in all of the ice, and we posted it there this past week. And every week we will show an, an example of how we are living into our mission I encourage you to bring that to my attention or staff members where we will choose together what to post. Bring up to us what it is that you see we're doing together as a church to live into our mission of embracing and living into God's commandment to love our neighbors through worship, stewardship, and service to others. This is the lively future that we have to look forward to. It's our opportunity to live into the words that we have said repeatedly as a community over these years, words that Teresa of Avila gave to us. 
Christ has no body but yours. No hands, no feet on this earth but yours. Yours are the eyes with which he looks compassion on the world. Yours are the feet with which he walks to do good. Yours are the hands with which he blesses the world. Amen.